Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go with Series 2, Episode 37 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. And thank you very much for joining me, Harry Robinson, with Jack Tate, as always. This week, we're talking Stockholm, Spurs and success, or, or what quantifies success, really, as we, we, we lose 2-1 to Spurs at uh, the lane, the finale, as Sky Sports dubbed it, over the top as usual, basically the last game at White Hart Lane. We are going to Stockholm, though, as the, as the intro says. Um, and, uh, I mean... After all, that's that's all that really matters, to be honest. Top four is is mathematically out of the equation. I mean, instead of talking about the game, Jack, should we should we start off on what we think about Mourinho's sort of comments going into the game about how the Premier League's not important and that kind of stuff? Did that did that show in the first half of the game? Yeah, I think it showed before the game too, just in the lineup that we put out. But yeah, I think it did show throughout the game. Definitely, we just seemed kind of disinterested a lot of the time. We were very passive, um, and it, it wasn't even that we were playing that defensively either it was just that we seemed very kind of non non interested in the game it was very passive play and I, th- I think the attitude of we're we've got everything riding on the road really showed during the game because we, we never seemed like we were really up for it we never seemed like we were really that interested in actually giving the game to Tottenham it was like we were there just to be the opponents at the last game at White Hot Lane and that, that was about it and we just take what we could get I suppose I mean to me it felt Really oddly, I mean, for for so many seasons, we've never really had nothing to play for at the end of the season. And that's what we've now got. And to me, it sort of looked like we were mid-table teams, safe from relegation, playing at the Champions or something. It was it it was really strange, that kind of first half performance. And the second half was a, a very, very slight improvement. But that was because we brought on a, a few players. But I think that first half showing is is what happens when your manager comes out publicly and says that this game doesn't matter. The players are going to take up the same attitude, and I know I know Herrera came out before the game and said we're taking each game as it comes. Top four is still possible, of course. It is now not after that defeat, um, but the players will will not be as motivated. Whatever you say, and 
I mean, at Man United, you win every game, even with injuries, even when deep down you know that this game is of is of secondary importance. You you give the public show of that you win every game because this is this is Man United. Yeah, and and I think what Mourinho said before the game, I read that as more protecting the players if we put in another kind of performance similar to Arsenal, but it really did seem to affect the players uh, hugely, and they did come out and just seem to accept that they were just there to make up the numbers and whenever really that interest in actually putting too much into the game. And it was weird. It did feel exactly like you said, a mid-table team going to the, to the champions at the end of the season. It was like we had nothing to play for, which I guess we don't really in the league at the moment, but that's still not the situation that we want to be in. And it was very strange to see a Man United team going to somewhere like White Hart Lane and, and being like that, especially at somewhere where historically we've played so well and we have such a good record over the years. It was kind of a, a real, uh, a, a real harrowing moment actually, where, where you see how the tables have turned in the last sort of five or six years. Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, definitely a tables turn moment. Um, interestingly, Marie, I don't think Mourinho has won a league game at at White Hart Lane since 2005. I think that fact is correct. Um, I haven't actually checked it, but I think I saw a tweet about that earlier. Yeah, we we've we've got an all right record. I mean, it's not a fantastic record. I, I remember. I think the last game at White Hart Lane I went to was um, it was in the snow and Fergie had this little this little hat on and Clint Dempsey scored a ninety first or eighty ninth minute heading equaliser or something and Van Persie had scored early in the game. But well, I mean, generally, yeah, we should be speaking Spurs, um, lads. It's Tottenham. What's really strange is that Mourinho is a manager who, I mean, his life revolves around winning, winning every game, every trophy. I mean, I mean, for me, that's why he's got much less character than someone like Fergie or even someone like Van Hal, whose life has a bit of colour to it. I mean, Fergie was, it was horses and playing the piano and stuff. And Van Hal is like his holiday home in, in the Algarve and things like that. I mean, little things. I mean, Mourinho is entirely focused on just winning, 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 winning. And for someone that never, never lets up, never lets the attitude sort of drop, the attitude has been awful. I mean, there was no desire in that game up until yeah. about... 70 minutes no 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 point of it um and i mean the main the main issue i have is that i mean everyone says it it doesn't matter at the time and sure i mean this result has has no has no bearing on our league season because that's i mean our league season was really really done in october november i mean i know it wasn't we've had lots of chances to get in the top four but what really what really did us was that october november run this has no bearing on our season but i mean we've got the final coming up and finals are about momentum. I mean, I understand why we've rested players, and I understand why we obviously haven't maybe taken the last couple of games as seriously as we might might otherwise have done. I, I get that, but I also think that there's still, as you said, there are still things to be gained from these matches. And the Arsenal game, I can maybe excuse slightly more because it was in between the two legs, and we needed to keep players fresh for Thursday. But now that we've, we've got through to the final, players need to be fresh. They need to, and. But part of being fresh isn't just that they don't play, it's that they need to play so they, they, they stay match sharp. It's, it's extremely easy if you don't play for three weeks uh, till, the, till the Europa League final to then come back and, and feel like you don't, really, you don't really know what you're doing. You haven't played in three weeks. Um, and it was strange to me to see the extent to which we decided, or Mourinho decided, I guess, to actually say, right, this game doesn't matter. We're not going to focus on it at all. We're just going to keep... We're just going to put a team out there, just make up the numbers, and just see what happens. Hope for the best. And there's not, there's not really something that we've ever seen. I don't think from from Man United certainly, and not something that I've ever seen. Um, and it, it was, it was very strange. I don't, 
I don't really think that it's the best way of, of going about it. I understand the rotation side of it, but it also comes with that, as you said, keeping up the momentum, because now we've had two terrible Premier League results, and not only were they bad results, the performances were toothless, and they just did not have any any fire to them. There was no, no desire at all. And I know there will be people saying, oh, that's a Yadar comment, but they do still have a place in football, and it's quite plain to see when we play against teams like Tottenham and Arsenal last week. But there was just absolutely nothing from the team, and it was it was terrible to to watch and see how disinterested we seemed in in the game, in the Tottenham game and the Arsenal game the whole way through. And I, I suppose this is a this is a chance to either test young players or to test your players for the Europa League final, and. None of the players seem to sort of understand that. I know I really came out after the game and said, yeah, this is a chance for, for us to earn a starting spot in the in the Europa League final team, in the Europa League final 11. But, I mean, no one really showed that. No one went for it. Um, and at the same time, it's a chance to prepare for the game by playing the players who are going to play. Because we've got, I mean, I think it's 10 days between. All right, don't play them against Southampton. Don't play them against Palace. That's a, that's a good week's rest going into the game. Even if you play them against Southampton, that's a week's rest. So why not against Spurs, a really good team, better than Ajax? Um, why not try and play with the same tactics you're going to play against Ajax with the same starting eleven? The only the only thing I was happy with about the, the team that was put out in the performance was the fact that Axel Twanzevich started because I think he is the kind of person who probably now be looking to start in the Europa League final and probably should start in the Europa League final. But as he hasn't had that many minutes with the, with the first team in this minute, well, yeah. let, let's say hopefully, hopefully, neither Smalling or Jones gets anywhere near the pitch. Um, but he's the kind of player that, that needs to be starting these games. Definitely up until Southampton, maybe Palace as well. Um, because he hasn't had that many minutes with the first team this season. And this is a chance for him to go out there and say to Mourinho, look, this is what I can do. This is why you need to play me in, in the Europa League final. And I mean, he his performance against Spurs was no was no worse than anyone else's, no better really. Um, but he played; he was probably our best player against Arsenal um, last week. And so, in his case, someone like him, he really does need to play. And I think it's not just him that goes for that. What what is breeds? I think is a culture of two elevens for most, because it's like the, the the eleven that we've got in the Premier League right now isn't actually our best eleven. And it's almost as if, well, or oh, if you don't start in the Premier League, then you know you're going to start in the Europa League final. Uh, and, it, and it's like, oh, well, the players on the bench don't have to fight for places, no competition, because they know the fact that they're being rested means that they're probably going to play in the Europa League final. And then that just that just creates an atmosphere of two almost completely separate 11s, and without any competition for places there, you've, it's just very a little motivation for people week to week in training or in the Premier League games before yeah, the Europa it, it League. It breeds final. complacency, to be honest. Um, I mean, just anyway, I mean, as a as a normal thing, I mean the the act of of resting players for the Europa League final becomes uh, uh, becomes futile if you're if if you're going to bring on Herrera, Mkhitaryan, and Rashford at the end of the game. Don't pretend you don't care about the game and then bring all your best players on. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean if you're going to go for it, if you're going to put everything in the Europa League final by resting everyone until then, then do that. Um, my only worry with Twanzebe is that I think he's going to not play against Southampton, play against Palace, and then Mourinho will go, oh, no, he's too tired to play against against Ajax. <laughs> or, or he'll get injured. <laughs> oh, God, imagine. But, I, I mean, the the scenario I've devised is uh, Valencia right back, Twan Zeber and Daly Blind at centre-back, and Matteo Darwin at left-back is our is our best hope. And when that's your best hope, you know you've got serious issues. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, another, another issue I thought was just, I mean, given the... Uh, Okay, Marcus Rojo's our, our second best centre back and he's injured, that's fine. But 
our best centre back is Eric Bailly. He's playing at right back and did very well. I thought probably our our best player. Um, our second and third best are at left back and in central midfield, and our two worst centre backs are our centre back partnership in Phil Jones <laughs> and Smalling. Um, I mean, if anything positive have come out of the of the Spurs game, hopefully, and I I still doubt this, it's that Mourinho won't play Jones and Smalling in Stockholm after seeing that that awful performance from both of them. Um, yeah, yeah. And to to be fair to Mourinho, I don't actually think he will play Smalling. I definitely don't think he'll play both. Um, it, yeah, I think I think playing Jones is 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 one thing because Jones, if if Jones has a has a strong leader next to him, then Jones can be a very good, especially one on one. Phil Jones is a very very good defender, but yeah. sometimes he gets a little bit too rash. Yeah, exactly. He 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 is actually. There are signs that he's a good defender. Smalling looked to be a good defender last season under Louis van Gaal because he had 11 men protecting yeah. him because we were playing so defensively. Yeah, I mean, Jones over Smalling at the moment, albeit we've got another 10 days for Phil Jones to be injured, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> that might be his longest spell of fitness in two years if he stays fit to the final. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jones injured Pogba or Rashford. Um <laughs> Just make him train on his own for the next few yeah, weeks. Put him in isolation. Um, I mean, on, on Paul Pogba, good to see he's been given some time off. Um, really, really sad news about his dad dying. I mean, he's, just, he's a 24-year-old and his dad's died at, at a crucial part of... I'm not saying this as in it's it's a crucial part of our season, but for him as a as a footballer, I mean, this is a... As a footballer, as in your job, this is the time when you want to be... You want to be really involved in the team and best wishes to Paul Pogba and hopefully he's given time off until... Uh, probably the Palace game and the Europa League final when can come back and, and dominate in the way we know he can do because we, we missed him against Spurs as well as we've missed him every time he hasn't played in the in the team this season uh, just a, a final thing best tweet of the week um, from at Bearded Genius who probably would feature if we if we did a tweet of the week every week it might be him every single week he said uh, today is about saying to, to a grand old institution it may no longer be fit for purpose and need replacing but at least it scored, and that, of course, is is Wayne Rooney, not White Hart Lane. Um, right, Celta Vigo. Um, follow, follow. United are going to Stockholm. I mean, it's been a few days now, so I'm now buzzing for the for the Europa League final. But at the time, there was something a little fake about my celebrations at the final whistle. Um, I was sort of forcing myself to celebrate. The the celebrations were strange. I think my mine were too because. I was very happy we got to the final, and, and now, like I said, I'm I'm buzzing for it as well. Um, if not, I had bloody exam on the same day. <laughs> but I can't I can't wait for the final. But at the time, I was like, I mean, that's great. We made this Europa League final, but Jesus, that was a bad. Performance. <laughs> um, yeah, we really played terribly against Celta Vigo at Old Trafford. We were very very lucky to escape without um, without eight being pushed to extra time, or in fact, just losing the tie. Because I mean, especially. Um, the chance at the end for John Guidetti. Oh, I mean, the other guy should have should have shot into the square in it, but my heart sunk when, when that happened. And I, just, I could just see our whole season go up in smoke. Yeah, it was it was not a comfortable watch. Yeah, a very a very weird feeling at the end um, in a European final, but we were terrible. And at the time, I, I tweeted, "Give it a week, I'll be buzzing." And and now I am. Just uh, at the time, it was a very weird mix. We we were that was, was one of the worst performances of the season, and. It wasn't playing the way United should, as the song goes. Um, 
But at the end of the day, Stockholm Europa League final. And if we win that, all will be forgotten in about three years when everyone will just remember that night out in Stockholm um, rather than that terrible performance against Anderlecht, Celta Vigo, Zoria Luhansk getting battered by Fenerbahce, blah, blah, blah. Um, I suppose, I mean, if we're actually going to talk about the performance, which I don't really want to, um, but we've got through Spurs, we're talking about the performance, didn't really want to talk about that either. Um, just, it, it would be so nice if if we tried to see out the game on the front foot instead of on our heels, sort of defending our own box. If if we went for it, we grabbed another goal. Because after the first goal came, I don't think we really deserved it, to be honest. We hadn't started very well um, and, and the kid pops up again. But we then had confidence and we then went for it. So so why wouldn't we, we go for the second goal when we came out for the second half, when we, at 70 minutes? Because until 80, 78 minutes maybe, um, Celta Vigo weren't in that game. So conceding was just a, an obvious consequence of, of needlessly sitting back for the, the final 20 minutes of a, of a game. There, there really was no need for us to, to go out and sit back with that. To, you know, I was, I was actually thinking this while I was watching the game. It's something I mentioned briefly last season on, on here. That one thing that we were actually extremely good at under Louis van Gaal is those rare occasions when we did take the lead after Louis van Gaal. We were very, very good at protecting it because his style of football was boring and as disinteresting as it was. The one thing it was very, very good at was keeping possession and keeping the game under control. And we were extremely good at holding leads last season because when we got a lead, we didn't sit back and try and hold on and, and really just let the other team come at us again and again. We held on to possession and, and we slowed the game down and we controlled the tempo and we didn't let the other team get a stranglehold on the game. And then the way that we've gone to protection against this season under Mourinho is just to drop deep and sit in our own 18-yard box for the next for, for the next 30 minutes of the game. And it's cost us numerous times this season. And it very nearly cost them again against Celta Vigo and probably should have done if it wasn't for some pretty poor finishing on their part. Celta Vigo had so many chances during their game and there is just no reason why we should be looking to sit back. We had the quality on the pitch against Celta Vigo to take the game by the scruff of the neck after we went 2-0 up and say, right, we are just going to shut this game up. We're going to keep the ball. We're going to dictate the tempo. We're not going to let Celta Vigo settle. Of course, they're going to come and put pressure on you, but you have to back yourself as Manchester United players, as clearly the superior team on the pitch in terms of the talent that you have. You have to back yourself to be able to get out of that pressure and be able to take the game by the scruff of the neck and close that game out instead of sitting back and just praying for the best. Yeah, um, sums it up well, that. A couple of positives from a, a very poor night. I mean, aside from the major positive being we're going to Stockholm. Um, Sergio Romero, although he's definitely, I mean, he's obviously United's second best goalkeeper, showed that his brilliant record, I think it's six conceded in, in 10 or 11 games. Um, his brilliant record isn't just a result of playing against poor teams. He actually is a very good goalkeeper and surprisingly so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This season, Robley made some brilliant saves so far. Yeah, I mean, he kept us in the game. He made a fantastic one against uh, against Vigo yeah. um, to keep us in the lead and, and probably in the game because we were struggling at that point. Moan Fellaini has now scored it in three consecutive semi-finals: FA Cup, League Cup, and Europa League. A man for the moment. <laughs> yeah, and a, a final happy stat: um, our last six goal scorers at home, perhaps forming the greatest. Six aside team if they've ever existed in in all time. Our last six goal scorers at home in European semi finals are John O'Shea, Antonio Valencia, Darren Gibson, Anderson, and Marouane Fellaini. 
Um, you would not be stopped with that team. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually incredible. Isn't it? You think about <laughs> the players we've had during the span of those last of those last six goals at home in European finals, <laughs> and those are yeah. the five players. And Anderson with a goals. with a double as well. Um, poss- I don't know how many goals he scored for Man United, but I would assume that that those two make up a significant proportion of of that. Um, I mean, I just, I, in my my main memory of Anthony is that he would shoot from anywhere, but very rarely scored. There we go. He scored nine goals from Man United in total. So, two ninth of his goals yeah. came in European semi-finals at Old Trafford. <laughs> um, impressive. A busy week for Man United's youth sides as they wrapped up their seasons. The under-18s concluded an exciting campaign in the under-18 Premier League with a 4-2 defeat to Blackburn Rovers. Ethan Hamilton scored a brace, but a defeat on the final day on Friday at Ultronham. Man United finished fourth, but that's 17 places higher than last season. An exciting campaign full of goals, and most importantly, progress in every department. Better players, good coaching setup, more friendlies, more competition, and therefore more development. Under-16 players Dion McGee and Brandon Williams both made their debuts in that game, while James Garner made his debut last week. So uh, planning for next season with uh, a few of the senior under-16 players. And the under sixteen beat Blackburn 4-1 the following morning with James Garner, uh, who I've just mentioned, and Anthony Alanga scoring. The under-15s had lost 5-4 to Huddersfield earlier in the week with another brace from Anthony Alanga and two from Mason Greenwood as well. In transfer news, Kanye Dijuk Roberts will leave United this summer at the end of his scholarship. Best of luck to him after eight under-18 league appearances and one under-23 appearance this season and one goal. In international news, Regan Paul, who captained United at the Dallas Cup earlier this year, has been called up for Wales's under-20 squad for this month's two-long tournament where England will also play. At the under-17 Euros, neither Aidan Barlow nor Leo O'Connor started as England faced Ireland in the quarter-final. But it was Aidan Barlow's England who won 1-0 thanks to a goal from Man City's Jadon Sancho, securing them qualification for the under-17 World Cup in India in, I think it's October or November and putting them into the semi-final of the under-17 Euros on Tuesday while they face Turkey. In low news, only Andreas Pereira was in action, getting a free-kick assist for Granada in a 2-1 defeat to Osasuna. Right, uh, a, a meaningless week until we until we speak to you next. Uh, Southampton away on Wednesday night, and then Crystal Palace in the final game of the season um, on Sunday. Both uh, are utterly meaningless, um, but uh, a brilliant chance for players to earn themselves a Europa League spot and for players like Demi Mitchell, Axel Twanzebe, uh Scott McTominay, Matty Willock, uh, Matt Olesunday to to get into the Man United first team and get into the Jose Mourinho's plans. Um yeah, I suppose that's it. It's a it's a good chance for youth players to shine. Absolutely. I hope I hope as many youth players as possible get a chance to play against Southampton Palace. They they deserve it. There's, if we're not to be taking the Premier League seriously, what's the point in playing? The, playing the players that play regularly anyway we might, we might as well play play some of our youth products give them a chance and just give them a taste of Premier League football because there's quite a few of them like Scott McTominay I mean Axel Twanzebe has already had a few chances but hopefully um, we'll get more before the end of the season these are the kind of players that we hope are going to be getting more chances in the coming seasons as well Matt Will- Matty Willock as well he's been on the bench a couple of times this season so hopefully he gets a chance too it, it, it this kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of the situation of um, of the end of David Moyes' season. We had Ryan Giggs and we played um, played Norwich, I believe. And James Wilson scored scored two goals and we played pretty much an entire youth side in the last couple of games of the season. I think I think that was uh, no Norwich. We beat four 0 in Giggs' first name, yeah. and then Hull was the last home game of the season, and it was the last game for for Vidic and and 
not Ferdinand, but definitely for Vidic, and he, he had his goodbye thing. And it was Ryan Giggs' last game for the club, and he was replaced yeah. by Tom Lawrence, I think. Um, yes, yes, another yes, Welsh midfielder, which is brilliant. And I think, yeah, that was a that was the day James Wilson scored two in sixty minutes to become the the most prolific Premier League striker of all time at the, at the at the <laughs> moment. Um, and then he had a, a terrible season the, the year after. Um, yeah. I mean, he's recently had a knee operation, so hopefully he'll come back from that. Unlikely, but uh, yeah, I mean that was a that was a nice a nice final game of the season. Um, even though we had literally nothing to celebrate and perhaps more to to be doom and gloom about. Giggs' last yeah. game for the club, the Manu Vidic, the last game at home, and uh, I remember Giggs crying into the microphone at Old Trafford. And um, we're not going to get that this season because no one's leaving, apart from maybe Rooney, and we've got the Europa League final, so he's not going to do anything there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's it's hopefully a chance, particularly for Demi Mitchell, who's been really impressive this season for the under twenty three. He's one of the best players of the season. Um I mean, he's he's a striker come midfielder who's been converted to left back. So mainly gone from the right wing to left back and has coped remarkably well. Um and has turned into a really good attacking fullback who's he's learnt defensively as well. And uh I mean for 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 United as an academy, it's not just a, a job to to make players for the first team it's also a job to 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 give these players a great founding for when they leave because not all five of those not not all five of Mitchell Willick McTominay Olison Day and and I don't know Joel Pereira are going to make it at Man United but we want them to be the best players they can be elsewhere so if we can give them a, a chance in the Premier League that's that's a fantastic opportunity to do so um and, and next season, looking ahead, we've also got Andres Pereira hopefully coming back from his loan from Granada as well. So yeah. it's another another person who, and he, and by all accounts, I'm not really watched much of him. I watched a couple of his games, but by all accounts, he's impressed at Granada despite their disappointing season and having to be subjected to playing under Tony Adams. Yeah, um, I mean, it, to be to be honest, it's been a great experience for him, and he's he's said as much. He said um, a few weeks ago that he's he's learned how to defend because when he was at Man United, he. He never really had to defend, and it, I mean, under Mourinho, you probably do more, and that's why it's good. Because I was just it, about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, at Granada, he was saying how they're defending for the whole game, and maybe you get one chance in the entire game, and he's got a responsibility to finish that or provide the assist for that. Um, he's had some great free kick assists. I th- I think I've watched him quite a few times. I think he's played really well for a side that are utterly useless. Um, a really, really terrible side. And and as well, it's been a really good experience because weirdly, he's been one of the senior players. Not as in an older player, but because he speaks, I think he speaks five languages, Portuguese, Spanish, Flemish, maybe French and English. Um, and he's basically acting as a translator in the dressing room where no, there's no one common language. So good experience for him and hopefully he comes back and, and can be a squad player and he's maybe at number eight um, where, where he hasn't played much. That's all there is really you guys today. And we'll have a we'll have a special European preview show for you. Uh, before before Stockholm, before Ajax. Um, and then we'll have a that'll be it. We'll have a we'll have a season review for you. We'll have a couple of interviews in the summer. Um hopefully talking to the, the founder of eighteen seventy eight, the new Man United fanzine on, on Man United's history, uh, during summer. Um, I've got the first two editions of that. It's really good read. Um, what else will we have for you? We'll we'll be doing a an episode on Man United's greatest ever eleven. 
or our greatest United 11s as we were asked to do to celebrate 100,000 listens by at distinct average. We're delaying that for the summer. Um, yeah, so the penultimate episode of, well, third last episode of the actual season, I guess. Um, series 2, episode 37, and that's all we've got time for on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, as, as always. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at, at HarryRobinson64. And, and for updates on the podcast itself, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Uh, thank you very much for listening, as always. Have a great week. Um, enjoy the, the pointless nature of these final two league games. And we'll see you before Stockholm. Goodbye. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.